I do. Steve Vines, good morning. Good morning. Get your diary out, because we've got to work out next week. Yes, yes, that's true. We've got a new public holiday on, on, on Thursday, I believe it is. It is indeed. And it's commemorating the glorious victory in the Second World War, 70 years of glorious victory over Japan. Japan, very, very bad. Can I just say that? First of all, very, very bad. Badly behaved. Bad. Actually, I mean that. They, of course it was bad. But, but... This involves rewriting history big time. Tell me I'm right on this one, because it feels a bit embarrassing. Well, you know, it, 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 what's so interesting about this is history is being rewritten. All the dirty secrets are not supposed to be told. So shall we, shall we go through some Tell of them? Tell them. First of all, what happened in Hong Kong during the occupation? Almost to a man and woman, but mainly to a man, because it was only men who were allowed to do responsible things, like sit on committees... All of the Hong Kong elite, and I actually can't think of an exception, were collaborators with the Japanese. All of them. All the people who were sitting, you know, on government committees, were, you know, and were given, you know, the, the Sir Big Knob and Madam Big Knob awards, all of these people collaborated with the Japanese. The war ended, and the Brits came back, and somebody said to them, uh, oh, what are we going to do about all these people? They were all deep, deep, you know, up to their arms in the brown stuff with the Japanese. And they said, I tell you what, let's find some more minor people. We'll put them on trial because we can't put these people on. They come from very good families. Um, we'll ignore that. Now, what, what does this remind you of? All the elite who are shamelessly pro-British up to about 1995. Oh, yeah, just when, give it a, yeah, a, a warm-up. Suddenly decided that they'd been anti-colonial all of their lives and switched horses. I mean, I'm just saying there's a bit of a pattern here. So that, that's one side of the story. Bit of a pattern. Then you have the other side of the story, which, yeah. which is a British disgrace, which is that Churchill, uh, as, as leader of the war cabinet, decided that Hong Kong was indefensible and that the only priority they had in this theatre of war was to defend Singapore. Which, you may say, was... Uh, it's not pleasant, because, you know, nobody likes to think of, a, of an area where you live being indefensible, but there was a certain strategic logic to it. What was inexcusable, and still hasn't been addressed in, 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 in the fullest terms, was the decision to say, oh, well, Hong Kong's indefensible, therefore we'll send along these very, very young, un they weren't untrained, but practically untrained Canadian recruits. Stretcher bearers, to, weren't they? To, they were well, meant well, to be. Well, they were meant to be, but actually what they were, and I have to say this as bluntly as possible, were human cannon fodder. Very high casualties among these untrained and very young troops. There's a cemetery in Hong Kong that's unfortunately filled with them. Wong, Wong Nai Chung was the big in, one, in, wasn't it? Sorry? Wong Nai Chung, that was yes, the big one. indeed, indeed. But nobody has apologised from the British side for this callous act of indifference. I mean, it's notable that it was Canadian troops. I mean, it wasn't young British troops who were sent here. So there's that dirty story. And then you've got, and this is what makes me smile, then you've got the, <coughs> the people who actually did do something about the Japanese. And now you have to give credit to the Communist Party. Because the only guerrilla force that actively resisted the Japanese occupation were, in fact, the Communist Party and its allies, to such an extent that some areas of the New Territories, particularly Sai Kung, became no-go areas mm. for the Japanese during the occupation. And, of course, very famously, it was Communist troops that helped smuggle 
British um, soldiers, the one-legged to, admiral. Well, the one-legged admiral. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't a communist. He was a KMT guy. But but the people who actually got them out of Hong Kong, but that whole chain, wasn't that it? whole yeah. chain, which which led to Chongqing, where where there was an Allied headquarters and smuggled out these these troops. They managed to actually perform active and heroic resistance to the Japanese. Now, you might think that in the new narrative, because we're 70 years on, we're part of the People's Republic of China, there would be much more celebration and recognition of the role of of the guerrilla forces. Well, there has been, it's true, there is now an official memorial in Sai Kung, and I have to tell you, this is this is where things go from farcical to much more farcical. I happen to have gone to the founding ceremony of that memorial when Tung Chihua was was chief executive, and Tung goes along in his normal, you know, big car, small man pops out, and there's all these people standing around with clenched fists and calling each other comrade. Oh, I have never seen a government official or a chief executive for that matter, wanting to leave the premises so quickly. It wasn't in the script. They were so embarrassed. He and his, you know, you could see the body language was, please, please, get me out of here. here. (laughs) Um, So the problem that the New Order has is, on the one hand, of course they want to celebrate the fact that that the only effective resistance came from the Communist Party in Hong Kong. But on the other hand... It's denied that such a thing as the Communist Party exists in Hong Kong. How do you square that circle? No, no. It's denied that the people who were most active in the resistance, some of whom have now died, well, most of whom have now died, actually, were the stalwarts of the clandestine Communist Party in Hong Kong. So, because they lie about the existence of the Communist Party and the power that it has in Hong Kong, they can't fully it's like present the story. Yeah, so, you know, so there's that. Then we travel across to the mainland, where um, the story is being changed by the day of what happened in the war. In fact, if you watch TVB, oh, you yeah, even flag. have in their <coughs> documentary um, color, uh, a flag of, of the People's Republic, which, of course, didn't exist in the 1930s. L- read it in a book. It's not difficult to find. Leading the heroic resistance to the Japanese. The fact of the matter is that the anti-Japanese resistance on the mainland was almost entirely led by the Guomindang forces. In collaboration, because there was an alliance formed during the war with the Guomindang and the Communist Party, but the communists withheld their troops because they knew, quite rightly, that there was going to be a civil war after all of this ended, assuming that it ended, you know, in, in the right way, and they wanted to keep their powder dry. So I think it's something like 90% of the casualties that were incurred fighting the Japanese on Chinese soil came from Guomindang forces. I don't believe that's going to be mentioned during the victory parade in Beijing. In fact, I don't think you'll see a Guomindang flag at the victory parade in, in Beijing next week. I don't think you'll even see mention of the yeah. Guomindang units who actually resisted the Japanese. I mean, boy... Boy, you know, they say Japan needs to, you know, recognise history. Well, well, I think this is fairly well known. Shoe and foot. There's a few All years. All of this is, actually, none of this is, you know... It's the late 60s me, to me, deal with. Me coming up right? with, with new information. This is all information out there in the public domain. Yeah. Now, the fact of the matter is that because Japan has handled 
the aftermath of the war so appallingly, and its leaders have sort of gone from equivocal apologies to full apologies. You'd think they put this fire out, wouldn't well, you? Well, you know, I mean, that's one thing you have to hand it to the Germans, particularly to Willy Brandt, for doing. I mean, yeah, yeah. they just said, right, oh my God. Let's do this. We, we were involved in a historical monstrosity. We need to put it behind us. We can't keep saying, well, maybe it was a detail of history, maybe it was, you know, all this stuff that you keep hearing these days. So, you know, compare and contrast. There's a, there's a side issue here I just want to bring in. I don't know, I can't remember if we talked about this last week, but uh, Cenotaph, a couple of weeks ago, loads of old geezers who did their bit and a bunch of consuls general from India, Canada, and I believe the UK, yeah. and the Hong Kong government sends an undersecretary. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect to whoever the person was, yeah. but these old it's giffers fought for you. Yeah. That's yeah. a fact. I think, I, I mean, these people need respect. They really do. They really do. And it, it, when you say they're a dying breed, this unfortunately And, and, and is the boss was off true. doing some stuff with the PLA. I don't remember them having an awful lot to do with the things that no, went no, on. To be fair, I think the boss was on the premises. I don't think that was one of his days to visit Hong Kong. Well, whatever. He I doesn't mean, have many. He does not have many days when he's visiting Hong Kong, the chief executive of Hong Kong. I don't know. I can just imagine um, certain people, you know, Jack, bless him, going off like a rocket about something like this. Yeah. And it was, I was expecting an outpouring on social media, but there wasn't much. <laughs> well, I think, I think the point is that, that the whole narrative of the war has sort of been confused and lost. I mean, the average Hong Kong person knows that the Japanese were here and that was very bad. You bet they But then it, gets, then it gets a bit confusing as to, you know, who were the good guys in all of this? You know, were the Brits the good guys? Were the communists the good guys? Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, uh, it's it's all lost. I, I I mean, you know, there were many many people in Hong Kong, and and I remember some of them when I first came here, who wouldn't drive a Japanese car, wouldn't knowingly buy Japanese. Oh, products. I know. Still people like There's that. Still people like that. Less it, less nowadays. And conversely, we bitter memory. We've we've got we've got Jewish mates who won't listen to Wagner for goodness' yes. sake and things or, like or that. Or buy German goods. Or buy German goods. Yes. Now, I remember my grandmother refusing to get into a car of mine, which was a <coughs> Volkswagen. And, and I said, um, oh, oh, are you sure? It's actually, I know what a Volkswagen looks like and I'm not getting in. I think it's all very <laughs> well, people of our generation, to say, come on, it was history, it was a long time ago. But I think the, the wall comes down when somebody's in their 80s and they live through it. You know, yeah. you're quite perfectly within your rights to not want to get yeah, set foot in a I, Japanese I, motor. I, I, I it's your choice. It. But I also think that, you know... Um, when you use history as a political convenience rather than as a tool of record, mm. you are misusing history. And people who can't come to terms with their history can't come to terms with their future. That's the bottom line here. If you have to lie about the past, how on earth can you trust these people to lie about the present? Or, or, or sorry, not to lie about the present. I felt really sad about that thing at the Cenotaph. I don't even know why. Well, it is... It, I these mean, blokes are still alive, some know, of them. I know. Come on. I know. I know. I mean, um, it, it, yeah. And, and, you know, now, these people don't have many years left. They're Hong Kong boys. They're Chinese yeah. Hong Kong yeah. boys. Yeah. I just, oh, I don't know, I just really, I think it got some, like, you know, yeah. you understand. It was very bad. It really was. Absolutely. Anyway, let's move on a little bit, if we may, Steve. Well, I, I, I you know, I mean, let, let, let's just stick with the past for a bit. This whole business with this pawn shop in, in um, Wan Chai that's about to be pulled down. Um, you know, there is this thing which is called preserving the history of Hong Kong. 
And you've got a board, apparently it's called the Antiquities and Monuments Board or the Antiquities and Total Uselessness Board, I'm not sure. Or to quote you, whatever you're called these yeah, days. Yeah, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, and, you know, um, the, the bloke who's running it, and I haven't bothered to remember his name because he's so unimpressive, actually comes out of this meeting and says, oh, well, he says, this pawn shop, it's only 80 years old, Gosh, there's many, many 80-year-old buildings in Hong Kong. I, I don't know. Maybe this particular <laughs> fellow isn't aware of how scarce they are. And he says, you know, there's 11 other examples oh, that's all of right, this. So, so, and so, I mean, so now that's the rationale for not giving it the, 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 the grading um, that it's supposed to have. And then he says, and this is the killer comment, he says, oh, anyway, well, we don't have any powers to do anything about it. We, we can just do grading. But, you know, it's not up to us to decide what should remain and what should um, be here. Oh, okay. Why don't you go away? Just don't pretend that you're in the business of preserving yeah. Hong Kong's history. Why don't you just do something which involves sexual intercourse and travel? Yeah. Because you're obviously a total waste of space. I would push the button right now, <laughs> but I want to talk about this a bit more. The thing that makes it more what teenagers call face palm is the bloke that owns the building. He's just going, ka-ching, thank you yeah, very much. exactly. I mean, he's saying... Uh, government, and I won't deal with the government. Government, yeah. Um, you too can do oh. what I've suggested that man from the um, Antiquities and What's It Board can do. He's saying, look, I'm sitting on a piece of prime real estate. I want to build a whacking great big um, office block, apparently. It, and you know the beauty of it? It will look just the same as all the other whacking great big office blocks along um, Hennessy Road, I think it's He in. sounds like one of these blokes that's so poor, all he's got is money. Yeah, I know, isn't that It's sad? horrendous. I, 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 you know, my heart bleeds for property developers. I, as you know, I am the patron saint of the Property Developers Benevolence Association. Contributions are accepted. Ring in now. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, mean, you know, if you have a view that Hong Kong's past doesn't matter, that's fine. You, you know, that's fine. You, Let's make the whole city into one big developer's paradise and, you know, anything old can be turned out. But this isn't just down. big bad government, Steve. My point is these are Hong Kong landlords and there's just this incredible propensity yeah. here for doing what birds like to do, in some birds, in their own nests. Yes. I do not understand it. Well, neither do I, but as you say, when the cash, cash register brings, mm. those hands go straight in there. Vines. I suppose we ought to talk about sort of the markets and stuff. Do you reckon? I think we should. Right, we should. bring out the Lewis... Poof, there he is. <laughs> In the puff of smoke. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, you guys just go take it away on this one. I've got an email from Jonathan, a similar topic, which I'll get to in a minute, but you were going on about some cracking daisy chain on your programme this morning. Tell us about that. Well, yes, it's, um, the, the recriminations are starting now that we've had the, uh, the, the stock market crash, and it is a crash, even though journalists seem to be banned in China for mentioning the word crash. If a market's down 45% in the space of a couple of even months, I know that's big. That's a crash. <laughs> but now we've got the recriminations. So first of all, the CSRC is investigating some of the biggest Chinese brokers for violation of securities regulations. And explain then, is China's so-called regulator. Yes, I yeah. mean the CSRC, the China Securities Regulatory Commission. So they're they're the policemen of the uh, of the markets in uh, in China. But in an ironic, ironic twist, the police are investigating the CSRC themselves for also violations of securities regulations and arresting brokers and journalists. So it oh, is I think the arresting journalists is good. Got to be done. I, I, I think that's got to be done. I Napalm mean, a lot of them. If you're going to do a, 
uh, what I call a decent finger-pointing exercise, as a minimum, as a minimum, start <laughs> arresting journalists. It's all their fault. Because whoever reports the news is responsible for the news. Of I course. think that, that follows quite logically. <laughs> this is true. It's their fault And, and if you crash. can, blame some foreign journalists. Ah, now you're talking. Now yeah. you're talking. Well, actually... Duff up a few CNN guys on camera as no, well. No, but to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, and one must be, because this is an objective, fair sort of programme... Yeah, no, uh, please. Something. <laughs> it, it, it did start out, if you remember, at the early stage of the crash... They did start out uh, saying, oh, well, it's all foreigners, which is always good because, you know, if in doubt, blame foreigners. If in greater doubt, blame more anybody <laughs> or more foreigners. But but now the narrative is, and so at least it's shifted. They're actually thinking that maybe, you know, this is the fault of people um, inside China. Who knew? But, uh, but the strange thing is, the brokers that the CSRC are investigating are the very same brokers that it's uh, dragged into the so-called national team to go and try and stop the market falling and to try and make yes, it and sort of go up. So, so what's your point? <laughs> so <laughs> no, it seems nothing to, to see here. Move on. <laughs> so it seems to be the manipulation can only be on the way down, of course. <laughs> but I mean, what, but what is interesting is... That, that, you know, like all headless chickens, the authorities have, have, have thrown everything at this and then sort of thought, oh, uh, oh, uh, that, no, no, I'll tell you what. So, first of all, they threw at the market buying. So they ordered all these people to go out and buy shares. They thought, oh, that will, that will stop the route. And then they thought, oh, here's a good one. Hey, 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 here's another one. Let's devalue the currency not once but twice, maybe three times, see how that goes. Uh, each one work? an isolated incident. Each one part of a carefully formulated plan. Can you stick with the script? Sorry, it says here, sorry. carefully formulated, <laughs> well thought out plan, um, which has been very effective so far. Um, so, you know, if in doubt, keep doing what doesn't work, because that seems to be a good way of doing it. There is another method, and only an idiot would think of this and say a market is a market let it sort itself out but uh, well that doesn't work the, the, the thing is i mean they're clamping down in the futures market as of today so you can't short sell but of course the whole point of the futures market is it is for people to short sell without without yes. being able to short sell you don't have a futures market but what they forget is don't that you think the key is in the word future <laughs> <laughs> they don't seem to have thought this through but what often happens in other markets when there's been a big crash the first people that come in and buy are the short sellers they're the ones who have made money they cover their shorts and as a result that often puts a floor under the market yeah. and that's when the market starts going up so if you draw all the short sellers out of your market, you don't have anyone left to come in and buy when the market is has plummeted. So they're actually making it worse. And that explains why, you know, in the history of panics, what you find is that the biggest one-day rises always occur in the middle of one Absolutely. of these down cycles. Absolutely. Precisely because the sort of boys you're yep. talking about yep. come back in the market. So now... They've actually excluded the possibility of having these little spurts, which are good for morale. They don't last very long, but they're good for morale. So that's been taken out of the market. People are completely lost all confidence in that market. You know, if you can sell, sell. Problem, of course, is that half of the shares, or more than half the shares that are listed on Chinese stock markets are now suspended. But... You know, how long is that going to be able to go on for? Listen, buy, sell, long, short. The big question that our readers want to, want to find out about is, is this monolith going to come tumbling down big time? 
What's the end game? I know you're not Mystic Meg, but give me a clue. Well, when you have um, a, a crash of this type of, of magnitude, even though you know the economists say you know it, it won't have a, a great effect on the the economy, nevertheless, it, there's two ways in which it the contagion spreads. One is through the confidence effect. People lose confidence in the marketplace. They lose confidence in um, in the economy, and they start sort of reining in um, the horns. And the other thing is, people have lost a lot of money. There is real money that has been lost. In some cases, it is borrowed money, so it is money that people could ill afford to lose, that somehow they've got to find a way of paying back. That does affect consumer spending, and it does affect um, people's plans in the, in the future. Let me just add to this. I think some people are trying to say, is this possibly going to be, possibly, the big humility check that the party, in some people's opinion, has been longing for for so long? Well... I think that what it will make them realise, hopefully, is that the central bank, the regulators, the government aren't this uh, omnipotent force that can control all aspects of the economy and all aspects of the markets. They try to give the impression that they do, but this has been a real wake-up call for them because without a doubt, they've been all over the place. The market has got the better of them. The authorities have not been coordinated. The PBOC, the CSRC have been all over the place. They're not doing the same things at the same time. Um, the government response has been, you know, has been absolutely awful to the point that you now have confusion. People no longer know what are the rules of the game, what are the regulations, what can you do in the market, what can't you do that's going to get you thrown into jail. It's not clear to anyone at all at the moment. But the question you asked, the answer to that, I think, is no. Because if there was the smallest sign that the government now was realising that it had failed so abysmally, which I think nobody will seriously doubt they wouldn't now be developing this narrative of oh well let's try and find some people who are criminally responsible for this oh yeah that's they they started, that, that is always a sign of a government in panic that doesn't actually mm. know what to do so is floundering around i mean at the end of the day will there be no chinese stock market i think that's highly unlikely at the end of the day will prices remain at this level I think that's also highly unlikely, although, in fact, in historical terms, the prices probably still aren't low enough. For I, think, I think I want to go down a couple of levels here. I think what I'm getting at is things go completely and utterly pear-shaped, and you keep saying that these investors are Joe people. Well, there's millions of Joe people, and when they get angry, you know the rest. There's millions of Joe people, and it's interesting that they're in the cities, and it's, this is where it matters. I mean, I know China is, still remains largely a rural country, but the people who matter, I say cynically, are the people in the cities because this is where the pressure is exerted. And they are talking on social media, on blogs, and they are complaining. They have lost confidence in the government. They do believe that this is the government's fault, that it's let them down. I mean, it, in some ways, the government was wrong to, to be the cheerleader of the market in the first place. That's not the government's job. It's not the regulator's job to do that. But it did do it. And now people are blaming them that it's gone wrong. Yeah, there's that. And, and, and then um, let's just bring it down to the local level. Then mm. you have the, the, the complete, almost unbelievable stupidity of local officials who started in the middle of this route by trying to talk up the value of Chinese shares and people going, 
gosh, I wonder what planet they've just come down from. These are people called things like financial secretary and undersecretary for nose-picking in the environment. Oh, no, no. Um, and head then, of, then, head then, of the stock exchange. And, and the head of the stock exchange. <laughs> and the head of the stock exchange in the middle of this is, I tell you what we need to do. Here's a perfect moment for us to forge closer cooperation with Act the now. Chinese market. I want to and take you're, my... you're, 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 you're thinking, boy, boy... Where where is common sense in all of this? Mm. Flew out the window, never to come back again. We hear lots of stories about people in every Sunday or Saturday, so-and-so marched to this place and jumped up and down a bit and protested. Well, you know what? This goes in China a lot. But in China, the villagers roll up their sleeves and they hit the streets in anger. That's what I'm on about. Well, I wonder whether that will happen because the, the, the narrative that you had from Xi Jinping was, I may be tough, but I get results. You know, you, we've got a booming economy. We're going to take over the world with our economy. We've got a booming stock market. You know, if you don't like it, shut up, because at least we're uh, producing prosperity. That's been dented. Yeah. So right. once you dent the credibility of the leadership on its own terms, remember, this is the narrative they produced. It wasn't thought up by some idiot sitting in a radio studio in Kowloon Tong. It was actually <laughs> thought up... Right there in Beijing. So you have a narrative, and people aren't stupid. They go, boy, there's something funny about this. It, it ain't right. And, and the, the stock market was projected by the government as being the flag up the flagpole to tell everyone the world, you know, this is the new resurgent China. Part of our new power is, you know, economic power. And the stock market is a symbol of that economic power. So and the strength of the yuan, remember all this? Yep. Sort of and when your favourite toy runs know. out of batteries. Yeah. Can we go to this email from Jonathan here? Different, different topic, but worth it whilst Pete's here. Um, I wonder whether Uncle Vines is aware of any official reaction to Hong Kong being on the EU's official list of countries that are involved in money laundering, as reported in The Economist last week, he says. Surely some indignant civil servant should be getting on his hind legs and resolutely denying this slur on Hong Kong's image. He said this was, always, uh, this was also the conclusion in Jake's op-ed in the Sunday Morning Post. Or were these just statements of the bleeding obvious? Says, oh, well, Jonathan, fortunately I can speak on behalf of the government on this one. Can I just say that all provisions are in place to ensure going forward <laughs> and going backwards and we have a committee and also nevertheless but really if it was possible it's not true well it may be true but it's not true <laughs> and uh, 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 goodbye So is this just a statement <laughs> of the bleeding office? Bureaucrat. Yeah, well yes. I mean the fact yes, of the matter <laughs> is I, oh, I, I mean you know I, it's very delightful that, that um, the EIU thinks that Hong Kong has money laundering it's not exactly a <coughs> it's not exactly revealing a secret, mm. um, um, but um, the fact of the matter is that there is a problem here. Well, you said it's quite an old story, but, I mean, Jonathan says it was in The Economist last week. I wonder no, if they no, take... No, 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 they've reported it before, that's all I'm saying. Oh, it's just okay. come up again on the, on the, on the League of... And, and you know, it's not just Hong Kong. There are many places around the world, including in the EU, where money laundering takes place. Send them to the civil service. Yes. Well, it's not just <laughs> <Yeah>. Hong Kong. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, the, the problem is but that... Actually, we do it better here. 
may I say, a, a, better, may I say, a better class, better than, money class than money laundering in Hong Kong, may I say? It's it, it's hard to know what the scale of it is, but for sure there are you know around the world, and particularly in you know maybe some of the hedge fund centres, you know, like the Cayman Islands, for example, there is money laundering going on in you know in, in offshore centres like that for for sure. And the the problem is it's about you know being vigilant, and the regulators need to be on the ball and need to be on top of things to try and spot this and as do you know the financial institutions who are involved in it as right well let's go to richard he says and guess what just as all this financial turmoil was developing they basically culled the entire legal profession who has the skills to organize people to petition the government coincidence says richard but that's very true the point mm. he makes these mass arrests of civil rights lawyers on a scale that we haven't seen in china before there's no hiding this one is there uh, um i i don't know whether it was i mean actually i don't know whether it was a coincidence or it was part of a deliberate um move my own view is that actually they the intolerance of all forms of opposition in china has been growing and the crackdown on human rights lawyers on journalists still in China who are brave enough to say something which isn't in the party line has actually been a feature of the Xi Jinping government. So it is possible that it's not a co- uh, that it is a coincidence, but it's also helpful if you know <laughs> rule of law is diminished when you don't really have much respect for the rule of law to start with. And also the the crackdown at universities. I mean, what what you need, yes. what China needs to do, is it needs to develop a modern financial capital market system. You need smart people to be able to do that. You need people who can think differently. You need people who can be, think innovatively. If you stamp out all forms of sort of you know thinking and different types of thinking that doesn't doesn't just you know um, curtail people's ability to say things about the government it curtails their ability also to influence business to influence the economy in in new ways and in innovative ways and it stamps down on the ability of people to be entrepreneurial i'm just reading i'm just reading something here a, a little example of what you're talking about just up in front of me vpn apps you know the great firewall of china VPN apps targeted ahead of Beijing's World War II anniversary parade. Yeah. But, and but, but just, just let's come back to... I, I would now like to make a Marxist critique Go on then. of the Communist Party of China. Because where, where was it in their reading of Marx that they didn't understand that the economic affects the political? I mean, they actually thought you can create free markets, you, you, you can develop a capitalist or a sort of mutant capitalist economy and it will have no political repercussions. Karl Marx, eat your heart out.